And you can trump that great website by the employer down the street or that great, you know, carrot that somebody else is dangling because the relationship with the company, that loyalty, that story is starting to build that engagement with that, that individual. You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with me, Jason Hunt. The mission with this show is to discuss all things marketing, sales, and mindset. It's my hope for entrepreneurs like you to get the most from your efforts so that you can focus on what you do best. Let's go. You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast. My name's Jason Hunt, and I'm here today with Laura Tolhook from Essential HR. Now, today we're going to dive into amplifying your employer brand. Now, as the founder of Essential HR, Laura Tolhook has, uh, along with her team, helped businesses navigate complex HR situations, guide decisions, and instill confidence with actionable steps. Laura, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So, I mean, we're talking about amplifying your employer brand. And this is something that I think a lot of business owners out there, entrepreneurs that have a team under them, need to listen to this episode to get the most out of their employees. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and one of the first questions I want to ask you, Laura, is, is how did you get into human resources in the first place? <laughs> what was the journey? Yeah, so I grew up in a family and my father owned a small business. Um, they're now up to, I think, 30 plus people. So I grew up watching the tenacity and the resilience that it took a business owner to build a business. And I thought, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to be in business. So of course, you know, as a, as, as a fresh, you know, high school person saying, I'm just going to go to university and go into business because we literally don't have a clue when we're in high school. And so I took some business communication courses and they gave us kind of two options. You go PR or HR. And I thought, well, I like people, I'll go HR. And that was literally how I made the decision. And thankfully it has worked out because I love what I do and you know, did some postgraduate work and then started in some of these big corporations, uh, big retail, big restaurant establishments and really got my HR chops there before starting Essential HR. Awesome, where, where, and where did you go to school? I went to Brock University for my undergrad and then Sheridan College for my postgrad. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Now, now these brands that you would work with, these bigger brands, would they uh, they consult with you? You'd consult them and, and they'd hire you on a contract basis? Yeah. So when I was working for the, the bigger brands, um, the, you know, big home hard home home uh, home improvement hardware brands and some big retail establishments as well, uh, I was working as an employee. And so I was in the industry for probably 10 or 12 years and I was on my second mat leave and I was trying to find a little bit more balance in my life. And I thought, you know what? I only want to work part-time. So I said, Hey, can I come back part-time? And they said, no. And I said, Oh, okay, well, I'm going to go find my own job then. And I thought, you know, I have so many friends and family who have these small businesses and who are always calling, Hey, Laura, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? And I thought, these small organizations, these, you know, five to 50 people organizations, they don't need a full-time HR, but they have a lot of questions that I can help with. So that's how Essential HR began with the primary focus of helping small teams. That's amazing. That's awesome. Now around this topic today for today's episode, amplifying your employer brand. What does that mean? (laughs) You know, a lot of people understand brand as you're growing your business, you know, brand is important. Brand consistency is important. And all of the messages that make up your brand is important. And I like to flip that a little bit and talk about employer brand, because if we think about, you know, McDonald's or if we think about Target or, uh, you know, WestJet, 
they have a very strong brand and we can put characteristics to that brand. But instead of thinking about the brand as a customer, I want you to think about the brand as a potential employee. What do you know about McDonald's coming at it as a potential employee? What do you know about WestJet? What are those ideas and those characteristics that come up in your brain when you think of those specific brands? Because that is what their employer brand has become. And you may say, you know, most people think company A, B, and C is a fantastic employer. They put themselves out there as a fantastic employer, but I know differently because of D, E, and F. And that's all part of your employer brand. So how do we start establishing ourselves as an employer of choice? And you may think, well, Laura, I'm, I'm not WestJet. I'm, I'm not Target. I'm not one of these big guys. Why is this important to me? Well, let's be honest. The hiring field out there is tough. And post-pandemic, it's getting tougher. And we're competing. Us small businesses are competing for the same top talent as these big guys. We are competing with Walmart. We are competing with Best Buy. We're competing with our competitor down the street for top talent. And so knowing who we are as an employer and making that clear through our systems and making that through clear through our communication and what we put out into the world is really important. Let's dissect that a little further. And I want to give full transparency. Um, you know, my digital marketing agency has partnered with a, um, a landscape company. And that landscape company's uh, looking to franchise. And uh, they're growing, growing super fast. And you know, getting leads is not a problem for that business. But we need to establish you know, a certain framework or make the, making the, 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 not a framework, but making the business attractable, attractive mm -hmm. to, to potential candidates for a job potential job applicants. Yep. Um, what are maybe some actual tactics that a small business can deploy to make their business more attractive to future employees? That's a great question. And let's get it real practical. First step is you need to know who you are as an employer. And a lot of people don't stop and think, what, what does my company value as an organization that we want to bring down to our employee level? What, what are our personal values? What do we want to bring to the table as an employer? And we often overlook a lot of the little things. And depending on where you are, having employee parking, that could be a great perk. You know, having a company culture that's strong, a team that's strong and who enjoys hanging out with each other, that's part of your culture. And that's something you really need to grab onto. If you're employees are spending the weekends together along with 45 hours a week, that's something that's a real pillar of strength within your organization. So you want to figure out who you are as an employer, who you want to be, and what you have to offer. And that's everything from salary, extended benefits, to what is your culture all about? What type of mentorship do you give your people? What's the relationship between the supervisor and the frontline employee? Because that's one of the key levels of engagement that you need to have. So when you put that all together, because that's the start of what your employer brand is, and then we're going to get with the practical, right? We're going to make sure that that information is amplified in our job postings. And we're going to make sure it's amplified in all the communication aspects of what we do. So when we're clear, we can provide that story to our people. Now, the second half of that is we can be as clear as we want and we can be as excited as we want as our brand. But if we don't back that up with how we treat candidates from, and, and full transparency, we are all busy. I totally get it. I have gone into interviews without reading somebody's resume before I sat down in front of them as as a recruiter. I'll be honest, because we're busy. 
But when we leave little traces of what we actually are or who we might not actually want to be through that candidate process. So if we call a candidate in for an interview and they have to wait 25 minutes because we're busy with some other emergency, which is probably an emergency, but just taking it from the candidate side of things. They've come maybe 15 minutes early. They're waiting there with bated breath, trying to smile like cautiously at everybody who walks by. And now they're waiting an the extra 25 minutes. How does that come across? So you may be all about customer service and you may be all about communication in your organization, but you're giving an experience that goes against that for an, a candidate. And that follows all the way through, you know, what is the interview like? What kind of presentation are you providing? Because now with this employee employment landscape, we're not just getting, you know, 17 candidates in front of us and picking the best one. We're competing to make sure that they want us as well. And right now there's a lot of window shoppers. There's a lot of people just seeing what's out there. They get an offer and they're like, eh, you know what? I think I'm going to stay where I am. That's happening a lot. So we want to make sure from what we believe we are, what we want it to be, follows all the way through that whole recruitment process. Who does this really well? What businesses out there are crushing it in terms of that uh, of that employer brand? You know what? I don't think it has to be so formal. You know, you can have a team of 10 to 15 people and crush it with your employer brand. Because again, it comes down to the consistency of who you want to be, the story you tell of what your employment you know, experience is, and passing that all the way through. So, I mean, we can talk about the big guys. We can talk about how great their career websites are, and they're fantastic. You know, we can talk about chapters. We can talk about Starbucks and, and Lululemon, which all have fantastic branding. But that doesn't mean that when you go into your specific location of one of those smaller enterprises that you have a great a, a great experience in the recruitment. So you can have maybe just a job posting that tells a little bit about what you are and you're doing your best job with it, but you can provide a great experience for that candidate when they come in to meet with you. You know, one that doesn't remember the three candidates before that were no great and uh, and now you feel jaded and now you're just going through the motions, but providing that great experience and you can trump that great website by the employer down the street or that great, you know, carrot that somebody else is dangling because the relationship with the company, that loyalty, that story is starting to build that engagement with that that individual. So let's talk about the challenges then, because obviously some of the challenges for a small business to spend the time and resources yeah. to develop an employer brand. I think one of the big ones would be consistency because, mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, trying having these great ideas are, are awesome and they might be instilled and in practice for, you know, a couple of weeks, but then it just kind of dies off. Yeah. Right. And then, and, and naturally I think your employees will lose faith in confidence in you when you see something hot for a minute and then it dies off. So right. um, maybe Laura, you can lend some advice or tips to how to overcome some of those challenges that, that business owners may have trying to instill an employer brand. So after you start with recruitment, you've, you've got them in the door and now it's day one and they're ready to be onboarded. They're excited and crisis number two happens on your new employees day one. And everything you built with this relationship can come crashing down when that poor person is left in the corner. And we've all been there in our employment relationships with, you know, as we've had jobs throughout the years, left in the corner after about an hour of meeting the team with an employee manual saying, oh, just read this. I got to go deal with this. Like that can, that 
kind of first day experience can either solidify to your candidate that they made an excellent choice or they might think, what the heck have I done? Same as it goes through the employment life cycle, you know, communication, performance management, you're saying we're all about our team, we're all about, you know, frontline communication. And when there is no communication, that kind of destroys that employer brand. So how do we keep that consistency? I would say line up what you say you are and what you want to be with what's already happening. So as opposed to trying to change a culture of communication that maybe your supervisors work in, a, in an environment where they're not touching base with their people every day. Maybe they touch base with their people every week or every two weeks. And now you want to bring in some kind of succession of goal setting. And you're like, every week, we're going to have an employee meeting one-on-one. -on -one. You're like, that already doesn't jive with the culture. How long do you think this is going to last? If the communication culture isn't touching base every week and having these in-depth goal setting discussions, you can't just change that on a dime. So let's build that goal setting and that succession planning and that development within what's already happening. And then we can take the baby steps to make it, to tweak it and to make it better and to build on it versus exactly what you said. We throw in a new program and after the first week, nobody remembers that our, you know, employee appreciation referral program even exists. <laughs> Stop wasting your marketing dollars on campaigns that don't get you measurable results that you really care about. Start driving more customers to your website with unique digital marketing plans that actually grow your business. We've worked on marketing campaigns for clients in a variety of locations, during which time our team has helped rank numerous businesses through effective search engine optimization and branding through social media marketing. Invest in the future of your business with Merged Media one of Canada's top digital marketing companies. One of the big challenges as well in 2021 and 2020 as well is trying to develop an employer brand when you're working virtually. Yes. Now, on the last episode, we dove, uh, or a couple episodes ago with Jackie LeBeau, we dove into, you know, um, navigating the, you know, working from home space and, and mental health. And yep. and that's a big thing here. And, and how, can a, how can an employer... Um, you know, navigate the world we live in when everything's done remote. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go back to those practical aspects of what you're doing in setting up for the team. So let's talk about the onboarding. So we've remotely hired somebody and now we have to remotely onboard them. So as opposed to the gray desk that they're sitting with the employee manual, now they're staring at a computer feeling like they're not doing something right because they have no work. So it's building into the system what works. So if your organization is, again, one that everybody is very siloed, you need to build an onboarding program that's extremely self-sufficient. If your organization is very collaborative, you need to build an onboarding program where people are meeting people in this remote environment in different ways. So setting up a whole week of meetings just to get to know the team in different ways. Ensuring that within those meetings that there's questions that people can ask so it's not awkwardly, because let's be honest, not everyone's great at small talk. And so if you set up someone who's an introvert with a new person on a Zoom call, it's going to be really awkward for about three minutes till they both hang up. So building that into the program to help people really grasp what you're trying to go for here and how to build those relationships. So in this remote environment, I think the idea is that you cannot under communicate. You know, sometimes we can get away with under communicate under communicating in physical environments but here we certainly can't if you think you've said it you probably haven't said it enough 
And as business owners, we often think that, right? Like we think about something and we think about it and we mull it over in our brain. And we think everybody knows what we're thinking because we've thought about it so much. And so we say it once and we don't know why it's not adopted. And I, that's what we're struggling against in these remote environments. Yeah, it's a great point, Laura. And and also, I mean, for our business specifically, you know, we have, you know, weekly accountability meetings um, every Tuesday at 11 o'clock. And we've been doing it since... March 2020, and, uh, and and it's been very very helpful to keep the the team on the yeah. same page, and and we spend that time each week to talk about everyone has to give credit. It's, we call it the give and take. You got to give credit to somebody, yeah. and you got to give credit to yourself, and take some credit yourself. And and those are two things you need to report on every single week during that Tuesday meeting. And the important thing about that is it's not you know holding people accountable and just being like. Oh, did you get that done yet? Or is that completed? Why did this fail? It's not about that. It's to keep it positive yeah. and, and, and keep the positive vibes going. And, and nobody needs to be called out for something negative that happened in the business. It's to keep it positive because it's being cognizant that people are working from home and having these touch points with the rest of the team on a regular basis and keeping it positive is imperative to people's yeah. mindset, right? And the success yeah. of the business. I've had, I, we have one client who uh, discovered that one of their team members in this remote environment, they were all in a physical location, has had extreme personal issues. And nobody knew. Nobody knew because you're happy. You're face-to-face. -face, you're talking. But behind the scenes, there was so much more going on that you lose when you're just on, on Zoom and not with that individual um, who's put on a front for meetings and, and for that sort of thing. And, and it's so imperative, again, like for that mental health, like you're talking about, that we try to get past the front of our teams because, you know, one person is struggling on one week and the next person is struggling on the next week. And there's no way to really say, well, this is the week that we all struggle. So this is the week we're going to deal with it. Next week, we're all going to be fine. So it's really about building that personal connection and, and turning it back to, you know, profitable HR that connection is the thing that keeps people together, that keeps business together. Somebody is not going to jump ship from your business for $3 more down the street if they have a connection with the business, if they have a connection with the owners and with their manager, because money can't top that. I think that's a very important point there as well is, is as a business owner, you're always focused on the bottom line and constant growth and revenue, but sometimes it takes you having to be cognizant of having the need to step back and, mm -hmm. and relate on a personal level with some of your employees. Um, for somebody that might be uncomfortable in that position, it's the best way to proceed with that. Is it scheduling a one-on-one -on -one once a month with each employee? Like, wh what do you think, Laura? Yeah, I mean, there's just different ways I think that you can handle that. In a physical environment, I would say, well, let me scroll this back. So there's a book called, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the five languages, uh, five love languages, and yes. they've written another one um, on the same token, but for the workplaces, which is, you know, the, lang the languages of appreciation. Mm. And people accept appreciation or under or feel appreciated in different ways. So for example, I may say to you, Jay, great job. I really appreciated what you did on that project. And that might resonate with you. Or what might resonate with you is if I say on a, a company call, hey, Jay did a great job. The client was really impressed. I just want to say shout out to Jay. But the next person might say, I don't want public recognition. Mm. In fact, that makes me feel awkward. And I really wish you wouldn't do that. Someone like me might bring me a coffee in, in the morning and I say, hey, thanks. It's just a coffee. It doesn't mean anything to me. But if you say, hey, Laura, let's go for lunch together. 
that quality time that you want to spend with me actually resonates. So I think it's not just throwing things out there, but finding out what makes people tick. Is a handwritten note all you need to do to make sure that somebody knows that you're thinking about them and you appreciate them? Or does it take, you know, stopping at their desk in the morning and asking about how their weekend was? Is that what resonates with them? That's called the appreciation language. Uh, it's called the languages of appreciation the in the languages, workplace. Got it. Languages of appreciation. Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman. Okay. And and to my editors, can you just put that in the show notes for me, please? <laughs> and probably the audience as well. Um, I'm very familiar with the Love Language book. Um, you know, my, my wife is someone who likes to have service. It likes me to service <laughs> things for her, or I'm more of a touchy person. So, but that's the Love Language book. And I found that to be super uh, yeah. accurate. And so the appreciation book is definitely one I want to check out. Now, um, are there some other tools that you would recommend? Uh, in addition to that, like, for example, um, certain personality tests, MBTI, this type of stuff to when an employee comes on board. So you know where to kind of fit that employer into your business. Yeah. And I mean, there's pros and cons. Those those tests can be really pricey. And where I find they have the most value is once you kind of already know somebody, because then you have what's on paper that makes them tick and what you've seen makes them tick. And putting those two together often has a, a lot more it resonates a lot more from a management or colleague side of things than when you just you don't know them and you just see them on paper. So I find those coming in for kind of group building, team building, or, you know, from management to supervisor or management to employee to help in those situations helps once you already know them a little bit. Mm. Put some context to it. Uh, I've seen a lot of them in, in the recruitment side when you do it before recruitment and you look at them and you don't know them from Adam and you're making judgments based off of these strengths and weaknesses. And let's be honest, none of us read the strengths. Mm. <laughs> we go straight to the weaknesses and then and we have no context. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I love I love them. I find them fascinating. I always say go to the ones that are based in psychological principles um, that are kind of stamp of approval from, uh, I think it's the APA, American Psychologists Association. Uh, what, what are a couple of those? Like Strength Finder? Strength Finder is a pretty good one off the top of my head. Oh, you're really challenging me now. Uh, MBTI is a very good one. Um, yeah. But some of them are, they're fun. Don't get me wrong. And they have some insight, but they're not based from a psychological perspective. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you're using them for team building, they're a great idea. But if you're using them as performance management or succession development tools, you gotta, you gotta be putting down some cash, um, on yeah. a good one to, yeah. uh, to really have the value in it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. You can definitely get them for free if you just Google them online. But yeah, like you said, Laura, you do need to put down a pretty penny to, to get the full, the full program, right? Yes. And, yeah. and they're worth it when you're looking at, you know, who do I need to be as my next manager? If you're promoting two people within your workplace, you want to really know that your decision is qualitative and quantitative and not just an underlying bias. So that might be a, just a helpful deciding factor for you. Do you find some big challenges on the horizon for businesses in 2021 as we come out of lockdowns and as we go back to work? And do you, do you foresee some challenges coming our way or do you see it being like uh, green pastures? And, oh, I and wish I could say it was green pastures. <laughs> um, the turnover tsunami is in is starting and it it hurts. <laughs> it hurts as somebody who loves to find great new people for organization. It hurts when as somebody who hates to see people go <laughs> in the whole, but people have held onto their jobs for 18 months. 
because it's consistent, because it was safe. And now they're like, hey, what's out there? So they're predicting a pretty big turnover for a lot of organizations. But the problem on the other hand is that there is a lack of qualified people who are applying to roles. And I've seen this with even the recruitment we've done in the last six months. A position that I could post and expect to get 60 applications in about three days, I'm now getting 10. So there's you know, a lack of workers, uh, maybe I can't say across North America, but I know for the Ontario market, that's kind of what we're dealing with. Uh, and there's this underlying turnover that's going to start coming. That's going to surprise a lot of people because they didn't know that people were kicking tires. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Um, do you find it specifically in a certain line of work, like trades businesses? Is it happening all across the board? I think it's going to happen across the board. Uh, I think manufacturing is going to have a, a tough go of it, especially, um, but I don't think anybody's going to be immune. Uh, we have some clients in the the te um, tech and pharma side of things, and the government has injected so much money in the last year into biomedical and pharma that these companies are growing and there's just not enough people to fill the roles. So it's, I mean... It's a great problem to have from a prospective candidate, but as an employer, it, it gets a lot more tough. And this is why amplifying your employer brand is more important than ever. Absolutely. Got to retain. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> well, Laura, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time today. And and if our if our audience has any questions for you or, or the best way to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So Laura Tolhook on LinkedIn or Essential HR Canada on LinkedIn. We also have a fun Instagram page that we like to bring a lot of the HR HR jokes on, uh, which is essentialhr.ca. But I do have a download for your listeners and watchers, and it can be found at essentialhr.ca slash merged. And it's all about identifying and amplifying the things that make up your employer brand. So they can grab that at it's essentialhr.ca slash merged. Check out the show notes for that. Um, the link will be in our show notes at merge.ca slash podcast. Check it out. Laura, thank you so much for your time. And before you go, I have some rapid fire questions yeah. for you. If you're okay with that, let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. All right. <clears throat> Are you a morning or night person? Morning. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? Gosh, my daughter. <laughs> she lives her best life. <laughs> How old's your daughter? She's seven. Yeah, that would be your best life. That's it. Love it. What's your favorite social media platform? Facebook. Favorite beverage? Steeped tea from Tim Hortons. Two cream, mm. one sugar. Two cream, one sugar. Right on. What's your favorite book growing up? Amelia Bedelia. Amelia Bedelia. Nice. Last question. If you can choose anyone to represent your brand, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, that's not an easy rapid fire question. <laughs> it's the final rapid fire question. You know what? I have to say, I'm I'm going to be bold here and say I represent my brand, uh, and I'm going to stay stay with that because you know what that that that's who founded it, and we build the team together. So I'm going to stick with me. I love it. Me, myself, and I. That's it. Laura Tolhook. Thank you so much for your time today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Awesome. There you go. Laura Tolhook from Essential HR. Um, another great episode talking about amplifying your employer brand. And if that wasn't, um, you know, a, a 
a punch in the face episode. I don't know what one was because, I mean, turnover is obviously going to be a big thing uh, as we come out of the pandemic. So it's more important to hold on to those great employers um, that you have at your business. And I think you got some great little tidbits of information on how you can amplify that employer brand as we come out of this pandemic. Um, I know there's definitely some great takeaways for myself and for the businesses that I work with that I'll definitely be deploying some of those tactics with them. But if you want to get in touch with Laura, you know where to find her as well as hit that link up essentialhr.ca slash merged. Check out that download. Thanks again for watching and listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us five stars. I'll appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. Don't set up for good. Be great.